in a world <laughs> where cardboard cutouts within a board game are present. <laughs> they're, the, they're there. <laughs> oh dear. All right, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, everybody. You are listening to Limited Playtime, the board game podcast where we bring you board game reviews in 30 minutes or less. Or the next episode is free. I'm Kyle Bolin. And I'm Jason Cavallari. And today, we are talking about Anomaly. It's anomalous. It, I guess? Yeah, there, <laughs> there is an anomaly in Anomaly. Right, uh, but and, Anomaly itself is not anomalous. Its name is Anomaly. Yes, yes. It's actually not that anomalous. Uh, right. I pretty much understand it, so <laughs> I know what it is. Good. So it's not an anomaly or an enigma or anything of that sort. No, it's a one versus all hidden movement deduction (laughs) combat game, according to its entry on Wikipedia and Wikipedia on Board Game Geek. Yeah, (laughs) the board game Wikipedia. Right. Yes. (laughs) Uh, The game is designed by Thomas, maybe Thomas, uh, Dagenet L'Esperance. Art is by Stephen Hamilton, Dan May and Greg May. And it is published by Starling Games. Uh, so these are the same people that made Everdell, uh, a cute little animal game with a big old tree. <laughs> it I've does o- have a big old tree. I've only seen it. It looks really cool. I haven't played it. I know you've played it, Jason. Yeah, so, I have. Yeah. And I enjoyed it. You enjoyed it. Yes, that's right. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to trying that someday. But I haven't done it yet. Anyway, so Anomaly, uh, like I said, it's a hidden movement game. So one person is playing the Anomaly, which is this sort of unknown entity that has revealed itself, I guess, on the space station that the game is set on. Um, The game comes with, like, a circular board that um, has, like, different sections of the board. There's basically, like, three rings within the board. So, like, an outer ring, a middle ring, and an inner ring. And then each one of those rings is uh, sliced into four sections, essentially. Um, And then within those sections, in the middle part there's also like four little cutouts that are basically like spaces you can't move through or past you've kind of got to go all the way around them if you want to move from like you know one section in the middle to the other section in the middle you got to go through either the outside or the inside of the ring um so there's like very specific ways that you move in this game and the game is it's a hidden movement game not unlike something like fury of dracula letters from Whitechapel. um can you think of any others out there jason uh, we like to draw comparisons no. on this podcast. <laughs> so those anyway. are the two that come to mind. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, those are two of the the two of the ones that we've actually played as well. Right. So yeah. um, there are others, but I think those are probably the two most salient ones for most people. Uh, so you know, a hidden movement game means that at least one party within the game. Nobody knows where they are, right? And so everybody else is usually trying to track them down and find them. Uh, In a game like Letters from Whitechapel, one person is playing Jack the Ripper, and they're trying to escape Scotland Yard, who is chasing them down, and all the other players play the the police officers. And so you're trying to sort of of like triangulate the person's position and then just sort of corner them and catch them. Um, So it's just basically a cat and mouse game, right? In Mm -hmm. Fury of Dracula, uh, they add a few more wrenches where there's actual combat involved, and Dracula can lay traps and things like that in order to try to like to try to damage the investigators who are after him. And, uh, you know, the investigators are ultimately trying to track Dracula down and kill him, right? And that game can take a real long time, right? Yeah, it really can. Yeah, we've talked about this a couple times on the podcast, that it, it can it can go for a real long time. We've had some good times playing Fury of Dracula, but I think that its weakest thing, well, one of the weak things about the game is that it just goes forever. Like, we've played for three hours before and still not been done. 
<laughs> and it's that is true. it's sort of a pain in the butt to teach to people. There's a lot of like fiddly rules and stuff. And even for me, it's kind of difficult to remember how to play when I only play it like once or twice a year at most, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so this is one of the things about Anomaly. I think Anomaly is trying to go out there and distill what those games are doing with the hidden movement portion, with the part where you're trying to track somebody down and also defeat them in combat. It's trying to distill that down into a more manageable set of rules and a more manageable time frame. That's my impression, anyway, of what this game is trying to do. Yeah. So up to three people are playing students on the space station. They don't know where each other are in this game. Everybody has a hidden role in this game or has a hidden position and movement in this game. And so everybody is looking for everybody in a way. Definitely the students are looking for the anomaly and the anomaly is looking for the students. And both sides are trying to basically defeat the other within, you know, like trying to basically whittle their health down to zero. Yeah. And it's kind of weird because the the health pool, it's 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 like uh, so that the anomaly is based on like energy. Like it's it's not health. It's like energy or something. And like as soon as it can, you can like consume energy from um like various like fuel tanks and stuff or from these the players that are playing the students and every time you do that you gain a health and at the same time you reduce their the other players health pools yeah it's sort of like a two-point swing essentially towards a win condition right yeah which is really cool i think yeah um and seems to tilt it towards the anomaly but there are other things that sort of balance it out yeah um we forgot to mention before we get any further into this game, I just realized uh, this game was provided to us by the publisher for review. So keep that in mind. Uh, you know, th- there can always be a little bit of a bias involved there. Uh, typically, we don't ever mention anything like that because every game we've ever reviewed up until now, we've basically just gone out and purchased or played <laughs> somewhere like at Gen Con or at a, at a board game library or something like that. Right. Yeah, so there's like there's like sort of like a, a sliding scale for the health where the students are on one end of this like sort of like tug of war line and the the anomaly is on the other. And so the middle part, which kind of dictates how close you are to the end of it, essentially can slide one way or the other. If the students regain health, well, I guess the students regain health. They just like move their health counter to the to the right or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But the anomaly, I think, can move the, the centerpiece to sort of like, you know, shorten the maximum amount of health that the students can get while also lengthening the amount of health that he has, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's all kinds of neat little mechanics in this game that kind of differentiate it from similar games. Uh, so, you know, like like the health pools are in some way tied. They're, they're, they're not completely independent of each other. You know, the thing where not, none of the students know where each other are really throws a curveball into the equation as well. You know, because like I might be looking at the guy next to me and being like, hey, can you hit the anomaly? And he's like, I think I can, you know, because you <laughs> think you might know where the anomaly is. You right. don't know for sure most of the time, you know? Yeah, I thought that was really interesting because most of the time, you know, hidden movement games are usually cooperative or like one versus all. And usually like the people that are on a team, like, you know, know where each other is and can, you know, like can definitively either help or not help. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But here, like, nobody knows where anybody is, and so it, it throws a major monkey wrench into the thing. There's just doubt and confusion, basically, like, at every step of the game, and that keeps the tension pretty high, which I yeah. think is really, really effective for this particular type of game, you know? 
you do the hidden movement effectively by everybody has their own little miniature version of the game board and they put that behind a player screen you know like what like a dm uses during while running dungeons and dragons so nobody else can see your miniature player board and you basically Mm -hmm. like take a pawn for your character and you put it on that board in order to keep help you keep track of where your character is now the way that you start trying to track each other down the player characters have to put cards out in front of their player screen two of them that represent the room uh that they're in and the room that they were just in before that and it's represented by one of three symbols each room on the board has three symbols attached to it and there's basically four rooms on the board for each of these symbols so basically what you're telling the anomaly is i'm in one of these four rooms and i was in one of these other four rooms last turn right and so the anomaly can start like sort of narrowing it down and and oftentimes it's still difficult right like you may only be able to narrow it down to four rooms sometimes right maybe Mm -hmm. you can narrow it down to two right and so sometimes you're taking like a 50 50 shot of like okay i'm in this room they don't know i am i might be able to just go ahead and try to do an attack But when you do that, you're often revealing where you are, you know, Um, which tells the other side, I'm right here. And if you completely miss, now they know where you are. Now they can come after you more aggressively. Uh, So there's this risk involved with like almost everything you do in this game that's not just moving, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, because, yeah, there's all kinds of things that you can do, all kinds of actions that allow you to reveal yourself and potentially do damage or sometimes do other things. And so, you know, that's where the tension comes is you don't know for sure, almost always where that other person is where the other team is. But you often know that you've got to take a risk, you know, like if you're the anomaly, you've got to feed every turn. So you've either got to attack one of the gas tanks or the fuel tanks on the station, or you've got to attack one of the students on the station, or you're taking a damage at the end of the round. You know, right. Yeah. If you're the students, you know that you're essentially being hunted. And if you don't go on the offense at some point, you're just going to lose, you know, like you've got to go after the anomaly. You can't be completely defensive. You can't just turtle. So. You know, I feel like that makes this game move at a pretty decent pace. The last game I played of this, we were done in like an hour, maybe less. Uh, I I taught the game, I we set the game up, and we tore the game down after playing it all within about an hour and twenty minutes. So I'm pretty sure it played in an hour or less. Um, I don't. We (laughs) were um, the student. uh, It was just a two player game, me versus one student, and the student player won. Uh, It was my friend Sonny. Uh, I went and played with him. So thanks, Sonny, for for trying this out with me. Uh, the, the, Sunny. Yeah, that's right. When we played this at Gen Con, we were playing Phil, myself, and, and you, Jason, were playing the Anomaly. Yeah. And I wasn't yeah. really paying attention to how much time it was taking, but I, I don't think that we were playing for much more than an hour uh, before, you know, we, we realized we that screwed we'd up. screwed it up so bad that we, we might as well just, you know, like start over again another time or whatever. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, but it'd probably been about 45, 50 minutes at that point, And we were probably within, an, I'd say, like maybe 20 minutes of one side or the other winning at that point because we'd all taken a bunch of lumps and everything. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So what did you think when you played this game? You were playing as the Anomaly. I was. How did you enjoy it? Um, I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, it was a little frustrating playing as the Anomaly because I have to say that uh, you know your actions are really limited um, until uh, one of the the student players like uses a card that you can then take and, and add to your own uh, ability set. Um, and of course they're trying like heck not to do that because they know that it's going to give you extra abilities and extra power. That's probably going to screw up their plans if they give it to you. So, um, it can be a little bit, um, I don't want to say boring, but, and it's not even really frustrating, but it, it can be, um, stifling a little bit, uh, playing as the anomaly character when you have, you depend on the other players. Yeah. yeah. 
you know, to give you stuff to do. Everything the students do, they have to spend a card in order to do it. They can do a basic action where they just discard a card and that allows them to move um, or basically kind of ping the anomaly and try to find out if the anomaly... You basically say, like, are you in one of these rooms? And you point at one of the cards in front of your screen and the anomaly has to tell you whether or not they're in a room that matches the symbol that you point at. That's a basic action. Moving is a basic action. Everything else you do as a student requires playing a card out of your hand for the specific action listed on the card. And all of the cards are double-sided. So one side pertains to the student, the other side pertains to something the anomaly can do. Like, um, you know, like teleport, or, right. you know, I don't know, what else does the anomaly do? Do you remember? Uh... Like attacks and things yeah, like that, yeah. right? Evolve, like if the if the anomaly gets to evolve cards, mm. he can cash them in to basically like evolve a special power that allows him to do special things. Like I evolved the ability to echolocate, which meant that if the students did anything other than a basic action, they had to reveal their location to me, which was right. super powerful when I was playing as right. the anomaly. It was like really OP. Yeah, but when we played, like I I basically never got to evolve anything <laughs> because yeah, yeah, well, I, you, know, you guys were so stingy with the cards, and uh-huh. then whenever I got one, I really needed to use it so that i could you know get away from you yeah when we played the multiplayer game like the three-player game it really felt like between phil and i having up to four different cards of different places we were able to sort of triangulate on you more carefully and try to figure out where you were without giving you so many cards when it was just me versus Sonny, though i think he had all he was just having to play much more aggressively as the students because there just wasn't a good way to it, it wasn't as easy to sort of like you know triangulate my location because there were fewer cards out to do that with right. that's kind of what it felt it also, like it also frequently made me have to take turns that were really suboptimal for me mm-hmm. in order to throw you off the trail <laughs> and, I, and i felt like that was the case when i played the anomaly as well even oh, against did you? Just sunny okay. yeah so like like there were turns that i was like well i can either feed and they'll know where i am or right. you know i can take the hit and like leave them in the dark yeah and that's part of the strategy i think that that's like kind of built into the game and everything because if the players if the the student players are playing you know, uh, carefully enough, then that's one of the things that they're going to force the anomaly to do. And, you know, like as the anomaly, then you are making that decision. Can I take a hit to not give away my location? And I did that a couple times and it felt yeah. worth it. You know, like it felt like one health versus like them knowing where I'm at. That's probably worth it this turn. So I'm just yeah. not going to feed, you know, I'm just going to yeah. move again or something like that. Yeah, it definitely was. Um, you know, especially, I mean, uh, uh, the, one of the things like, for example, you mentioned that like, one of the things that the anomaly can do when he gets a card is um, teleport. He can basically move to any if he gets the uh, right card. Yeah, right. If he gets the right card, he can move to any space on the board. Um, and as the students, they really don't want him to do that because if they're trying to like pinpoint his location and they have it to a couple of rooms, if you throw that into the mix, it throws the whole thing in the air. So I can see why they're you know they have to be really guarded with how they spend their cards. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand. It also leads the the anomaly player to um, sort of try and seek alternate routes that are maybe uh, slightly detrimental to them in order to maintain the mystery. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, both times I played this game, I've played it both as a student and as the anomaly. Um, I had a pretty good time with it. You know, like I, I really enjoyed trying to strategize with Phil when we were playing as the students on how to try to like really kind of track you down without doing it in a way that gave you too many abilities to fight back against us with, you know? Yeah. Um, and you were I, good at it. <laughs> yeah. I really enjoyed that. And when I was playing as the anomaly, it was a much more aggressive game. And so it was really me and Sonny trading blows much more often. Um, mm. we lost track of each other a couple times, but every Every time 
it, it was like this nice sort of like you know um swelling of action and tension in the game and then just like you know being broken up periodically with like you know just tons of action or like you know uh, a sequence of events where we tried to like run away and hide because we had to like lick our wounds or whatever um right, and, yeah. and it really felt like one of those action movies or like you know like a suspenseful uh, movie like like Alien or something like that, you know, where like the hero, you know, has an encounter with the enemy and then has to get away, and then like there's a little bit of like you know a, a, a calmer moment with like a little bit of tension, like are they going to show up again? Do they know where I'm at? You know, and then like yeah. you know another big drag out fight and everything. Like there was one point where I was able to possess the student, and I used the student's like attack in his own card to basically like attack one of the fuel tanks, which did damage <laughs> to both of us. <laughs> but I was going for this like you know like just like last minute like I just. just just got to get a few more damage out of him and I win. And I got him down to one health, you know? And one of the things that the game has is sort of a catch-up mechanic where the moment either side gets down to one health, they basically, like, refill their actions. So if you're the students, you get, like, a full hand of cards back, which is what you use for actions. And if you're the anomaly, you get your three action points back yet, which is what you spend in order to do actions. And he got his seven cards back in hand. And we just kind of sat back and I looked at him and I'm like, okay, so the round's <laughs> basically going to be over here. You're going to get me down to one health, but then you get to go again first because the students always go first then all you need is an attack and you can finish me off because we both know where each other are at and he was like oh yeah you're right and you know like he got the card he needed and he just like knocked me out but it was like this amazing thing where like it looked like I had tons of health you know, I came out swinging and just went for the kill and yeah. he got like, he was like, you know, back against the wall, like almost, you know, just a, like a thread of life left. And then he managed to fight back like Ripley fighting against the alien or whatever and managed to like, you know, finish <laughs> me off the last minute. And it was just this amazing feeling like cinematic end to that game. Yeah. Um, and if I'm, the game I feel always like, goes like that, I well, think that's awesome. I mean, I feel like it might depend a little bit on on who is playing because yeah. you tend to be a much more aggressive player than me. Yeah. Yeah, that's and I, true. I tend to play a very like risk averse, yes. um, you know, cautious game. Yeah, um, which is a different kind of sci-fi movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I, I think that Sonny and I both were playing fairly aggressively, which made a very fast, uh, very action-packed game. So, you know, like if that's the sort of game that you enjoy, this can be that game. If you enjoy a game that is much more like you know deliberate, slow-paced time to really like sort of like suss out what's going on and where people might be i think you can play it that way as well you know like this is a game that has tools in place for you to play at either pace whatever fits mm -hmm. your particular play style as well as maybe like what fits for the particular situation you find yourself in with this yeah. game so i feel so, like it, i mean it, yeah. i feel like you can play it like as an action game or as like a puzzle game yeah and i think it, it requires a little bit of both you know yeah. uh and and you know, if you happen to lean one way or the other, it gives you the tools to lean heavily into that into that direction or the other, you know, like depending on your own personal preferences. But also it gives you the tools that you need in order to fit the, you know, the situation that you find yourself in, you know, from from turn to turn around around. So, mm -hmm. yeah, um, let's talk about components. We always talk, talk about components. You know, the board is this nice circular board. Um, the the rooms are like clearly marcated. Like I, I was able to tell like what each room was the the symbols that you know denote each of the rooms are are actual symbols not just colors so i didn't actually have any colorblind issues with this game which i appreciate the artwork is good um what did you think about it jason um i thought it was it was cool looking i mean it actually you know the board actually looked like the inside of some kind of space station mm -hmm. um uh, the, the the tiny versions of the player boards that you keep in your little secret area were mm -hmm. really cool i mm -hmm. appreciated those very much um, and even the little plastic figures that you use to kind of like 
at least uh, guess where people land. Yeah, they're basically like little silhouettes of the characters in order yeah, to try like to like... they're somewhat transparent and they, yeah. they're colored. Yeah. Um, um, I thought it was kind of a cool little touch. I mean, it's not strictly necessary, I don't think, but yeah, um, it gives the sense of like a... I don't know, almost like a, a echo or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It's like an energy being. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it makes you feel like you know you're looking at sort of like a, you know like the the last known location echo of um you yeah. know the the other side or whatever, right? Or even yeah. just seeing your own uh, shadows all over the board is kind of neat. So yeah, yeah, it has a it has a decent table presence. You're using standees for the actual characters. It doesn't come with any miniatures or anything like that. But um, it's not the most expensive game in the world. So I feel like as far as the price um you know like that it's providing sort of like a unique spin on this type of game i feel like you're mm-hmm. getting a pretty decent package for the money it comes with um the the player uh what's the word i'm looking for the screens uh the player screens have like nice little cheat sheets on the back of them that yeah, remind you what all really the powers helpful. are uh for both you and the other side and i think they even like you know change the position of where all that stuff's located so that the place that you would look at first pertains to you and then you like look at the sides or whatever to see like the other side's abilities so that you can have a reminder what they do and everything we didn't even mention there's like another uh mechanic where like radiation spreads throughout the uh, space oh, station oh, yeah, so it I starts damaging everybody you know like potentially at the end of a round um so there's almost like sort of a timer in the game that like, kind of forces you to it's almost like you know it's it's almost like one of like like player unknown battlegrounds or Fortnite or whatever where like there's a, like a diminishing circle that you've got it you you have like less yeah. space to run around and, and fight in essentially or you take damage like that's kind of like effectively what it's doing on the space station it's filling up parts of the space station where now you can't go there unless you're willing to take some damage you know right um, yeah, yeah. which forces people to kind of like you know congregate in similar areas so that you're more likely to run into each other um which is a nice touch you know that keeps the game moving as well Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, the the thing that I think, like, was the the biggest criticism I had coming out of the game was just that there was a couple things in the rulebook that weren't perfectly clear to me. Like, we sat down and you started using the little translucent figures on your mini board to keep track of where you thought we were. And we were yeah. like, now, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> it says in the book that those are for the main board and you were like mm, you know like you wanted to keep your little secrets about where you thought we were but we wanted to know where you thought we were so we weren't going to let you get away with that right. and, the, and the rule I book also, I, I have to say that I, I don't understand like why why that was a thing like I think I feel like that made the game unnecessarily longer maybe or more difficult like if if I have a like of course I don't know where you are like I have a suspicion uh-huh. and if I put those out for everybody to see you're going to avoid those places like the plague like that's just kind of counterintuitive <laughs> yeah but I mean we were doing the same thing with your location so I mean I felt like it was fair right I mean yeah. we're putting your thing out on the main board you put our thing out on the main board um, but like yeah. that was one thing that I like I, I wasn't comp- perfectly clear whether or not the designer intended for that to be used only that way or if that was just the way they were suggesting it to be used you know like things like that there was a couple other rules that weren't perfectly clear to me but now I can't even remember what they were off the top of my head sitting down and actually playing the game like almost ran into no problems right we were able to get it down and play without any real hiccups so ultimately yeah. I, I think that it's you know it's good. Um, so this is one of the things that I actually wanted to mention is like that when we played at Gen Con we screwed it up really bad. Yeah. Um, and I feel like it doesn't like some games you can whiff a rule or something and it doesn't have a huge impact. But I feel like with this game, it really did, because essentially what it did was it gave the whole game away such that it, we well, couldn't walk it back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I made a mistake reading a card and used an ability from one space further away than I should have, which then implied my location, you know, to Jason. Right. And then like two more turns passed where he did a thing under the assumption that I was in a space, I did a thing under an assumption that he was in, in another space, right? Based on what he was doing and where I thought that, 
And then he did another right. thing, right? And then we were like, wait a minute. And he was like, that should have hit you. And I was like, no, that shouldn't. And then we realized that I, you know, completely screwed it up. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that's that, like, you have to be really careful with, with the, you know, with the rules like that, because if you mess them up, I, I feel like it, there's a high chance that the game would be it, it kind you know, of occurred a, to me that if we wanted to continue playing that game we could have just said okay let's just say you get a free teleport and like you get to move wherever you want right and then we probably could have just oh, picked sure, it up yeah. from there and continued to play or something like that like we didn't have to completely scrap the game but in the moment i didn't think about that and we were just like i don't know how to salvage this right yeah i don't know how to fix this so <laughs> um, so but we were almost at the end there like we'd all taken a bunch of damage we'd already been playing for almost an hour so i feel like we got a pretty good play in and, and got a real good feel for it and i approve of this game you know like i think that if you're the kind of person that's into like hidden movement games um you want to play like a one versus all game i feel like you know if you're the type of person that's heard about fury of dracula or you've played fury of dracula and you know like what a burden that game can be to get to the table and actually play it even though it is very fun or you know you don't want to sit there for like half of a sunday and and waste the whole sunday on that game then i think this is a fantastic alternative to that specifically um, and I think as a one versus all game, it's just fun anyway, even if you're not looking specifically for a hidden movement game. Yeah, it's an enjoyable game and really uh, simple to to set up and play and learn. Yeah, yeah. So um, it gets thumbs up from us, sounds like. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Um, the game is not going to retail, we were told. It's going to be on Starling Games' website eventually. I think that uh, uh, Brennan Noonan told us that she's the uh, the brand manager there. She told us that it was going to be on the website within a couple weeks. So if you're interested in it, take a look there. I think it's 40 or $50. I can't remember exactly which... Uh which price it is, um, but that's where you can find it eventually, at the very least, if you didn't already get a copy at Gen Con. Um, and that's about it. Uh, yeah. Anything else you want to say, Jason, about Anomaly? Uh, <laughs> no, I think we got it covered. All right, cool. Next week is our 80th episode. You. That's... that's <laughs> you! That's, you. <laughs> that's a celebratory noise. <laughs> You limited playtime. <laughs> you made it to eighty episodes. Uh, yes, going further. It is our eightieth episode, uh, so we are going to celebrate as we always do on the tenth episodes by doing something out of the ordinary, and we're going to go back to the old ten top ten list. Uh, we are going to do the top ten expansions that we have experienced. Yeah. Uh, so this is going to be like the top 10 things that either, you know, like elevate a game in a way that it wasn't there before, uh, take a good game and make it great or whatever. Like, you know, maybe, maybe sometimes it's going to be whatever. Top 10 expansions. <laughs> Look forward to that next week on Limited Playtime. All right. Uh, we haven't done the contact info. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> if, you'd like, if you'd like to get a hold of us and drop us a line about what your favorite fantasy storefront would be. <laughs> I guess. Are you into the witch store? Are you into the axe store? <laughs> How would they do so, Jason? Uh, my personal favorite is the uh, Halloween in January store from Bojack Horseman. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, if you wanted to give us your storefront ideas, uh, you can email us. It's podcast at limitedplaytime.com. You can go to the website, limitedplaytime.com. You can tweet us at limitedplaytime or go to Instagram at limitedplaytimepodcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you in one week. Later. Bye.